This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net, Cheryl Watson, OurCultures.com, talk all things Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, fantasy fiction, etc. We've been gone for a couple of weeks, Cheryl, due to Thanksgiving and other technical difficulties, but we're back. And I'm very happy to be back and talk with you all about all this news, because quite frankly, quite a lot happened while we were gone. It's true. We've got a lot to catch up on. Say hello. We got Kenny. We got Sue. Hello, Joshua. Julie. Hey, Julie. Uh, Cheers, Lisa, everyone. Steven, Renee, ugh, it's good to, uh, Linda, Dan, it's good to see all, you guys, all of you guys again. Okay, and if you notice, we're drinking something. We are drinking, courtesy of HBO, the King in the North Royal Reserve Collection Belgian-aged Imperial Stout at 11% alcohol by volume. We are going to uh, have a lot of fun by the end of the show. We're going to sip slowly. Is that Well, speak for yourself. Cheers to moderation. Ugh. That. That's nice. That like is it? a stout. It is a little syrupy. Yeah. I enjoy it. I like this one. Bit like having a meal. <laughs> you almost have to chew your beer here. The Imperial Stout. King of the Imperial Stout. Shoot, chomp, chomp down. Yeah. I have to say, I do prefer Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. but that was That's the best one, I think. That is the best one. I, I do enjoy this one, though. I didn't like uh, the Daenerys one <laughs> very Daenerys much. one was all right, but, like, the fact that I sniff this one and start coughing, <laughs> like, that tells me a lot about whether or not I'm going to like this beer. It's got a very hefty aftertaste kick for me. It's some heaviness. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. So, we are going to get right into it. Yes. Uh, we got to go with first things first. We know when Game of Thrones season eight is going to premiere. Kind of. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> HBO went halfway. They announced a premiere month. Yes, they did. Not a date. They pronounced April 2019. Game of Thrones season eight debuts. Let's drink to that. All right. <laughs> April 2019. Woo! And that is. Uh, by the way, I want to point out that we predicted, back when we were talking about this, either the April 21st or the 28th Sunday. So I think we can take credit and say that we maintained our privilege. And uh, We cracked the code. I would ask you to drink to this, but to our being right, but you don't have to if you don't want to. I, I will, drink to that. I will drink in spirit. Okay, great. For you. I'm really enjoying this beer, but apparently <laughs> we were split on that. It's Okay. 
It's okay, okay to have different opinions. Exactly. Yeah. Linda says cheers. I agree. <laughs> okay, so April. About what we expected, right? Yes. I mean, not, not a huge surprise. It makes perfect sense. It's the spring. It's consistent with the other stuff. Um, they've also started uh, the promotional campaign. We are sure this final season they're going to spare no expense. They've been releasing these uh, group of posters right over there. Hashtag for the throne. Highlighting some moments in our characters' lives that were rather intense. On the okay, so the gimmick is it's they're releasing these moments from the lives of characters, what they did on their way to getting power, and it doesn't quite work like for everything. Like I don't know, there's Arya sending a yeah. room full of dead phrase, but she's which not is going for the throne. Yeah, it's like a big moment for her, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't do it for power exactly, yeah. for revenge, whatever. But I mean, that is the hashtag they're going with. What do you think of the promotional campaign? Are you hashtag for the throne excited? I am absolutely excited. I I like the idea of the campaign. And mm-hmm. honestly, who really doesn't want to have a picture of Daenerys Targaryen eating a horse's heart, <laughs> like, hanging great. above your bed? Like, I feel like that would just really tie a room together, you know? I do love Iconic. that they've chosen, like, a moment like that. Like, it's just, it's... It's objectively unflattering in a way, but like, let's put it on a on a bus. It's hardcore. Daenerys Targaryen is hardcore, you guys. It's fun. Kenny says he has Vikings running tonight, which he does. Vikings is on tonight. A good holdover until Game of Thrones. Can't complain about that. I mean, Cultures has a full list of shows to watch if you like Game of Thrones. Oh, very Just nice. Saying, you know, Cultures.com. Cultures.com. The place for um, woman-centered. And everybody centered television on the internet. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm on. It, it's, it's, it's a little weird for me because <laughs> last season's hashtag was winter is here. And I figure I, 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 I would have flipped the hashtags, right? So like for the throne back when John, Danny, and Cersei are all kind of fighting for it. And then winter is here now when the Night King's broken through the walls coming for everybody. Yeah. You're, I mean, I have to it's agree. not, it's not, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, I feel like the big thing, yeah, actually, no, you, you are actually correct here. And I agree with you. <laughs> All right. I, I was trying to think of some time. sort of counter argument just for kicks and giggles, but I did not think of a <laughs> counter argument for kicks and giggles. But kicks yeah, giggles. I, I agree with you. I think that, especially because winter is coming is the first, like is the yes. first, is the first season. In Bookends. Our, yeah. I love bookends. That's why I'm pretty sure the first episode of season eight is going to be named Winter is Here. Um, and when they announce it. that title, I'm just going to tweet all over the place like, ha called it suckers. <laughs> and I can point to these videos as evidence that I called it. We had a whole article predicting the episode titles, our, uh-huh. our, our first episode. At winteriscoming.net? Winteriscoming.net. You play for Game of Thrones, Stars on the Internet. Um, Winterfell. That's a good one. I think that, because they're all gathering there. That's my idea. Okay, that's not bad. And then um, we're all agreed that the final episode will be called A Dream of Spring, right? Like, there's no way it couldn't be. Oh, yeah. By the way, we're also talking about The Last Kingdom in here. Another great show to watch if you're looking for somebody to tide you over to Game of Thrones. Have you ever seen that? A great Netflix I've show? I have not, actually. It's really good. Last Kingdom mm-hmm. is this kind of medieval drama. It's, it's a lot it. like Game of Thrones, minus the zombies and the dragons. No mm-hmm. fantasy elements. Aw. But still uh, intense paganism, and they all believe in fantasy elements. Which makes it still fun. Yeah, I I finally got through the second season of Castlevania. So recently, oh, you, really quick. What do you think? Like really, really fast. I actually really liked it. 
I watched all of it in a day. You disappointed me. I was not sorry. a fan of it. So sorry. That's not, that's, I'm sorry, that's, that's you hate vampires. There. We should um, do a video for nobody where we discuss it. We should. <laughs> um, but yes, I I think that you are right in the promotional campaign aspect of it. But I also sure. like the fact that they're just like, here's Daenerys Targaryen eating a bloody heart. Remember this, guys? Yes, I love it. That's that's kind of great. Can I drink really fast to me being right? I'll take a tiny sip for okay, you. Okay, we'll sip to me being right. Ah, smooth. This is, again, King in the North, uh, Belgian-aged imperial stout. I'm a fan. Not all of us are fans. It's but okay. if you see it in the store, you could do a lot worse. Unless you are uh, in Cheryl's camp, in which case, maybe stick to the Cersei, what was it? Like, um, it's like a wit beer. Blonde ale, I think. It's like a like Belgian wit beer, yeah. Which but is yeah. what I usually drink anyway. I'm good. And Kenny, I have not watched... Into the Badlands. Question of the Badlands? No, but I have desire to. Okay. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> There's a lot of TV. Okay. Sorry. Move on to the next bit of news. Please do. So we have to talk about this really quickly. Um, I said a while ago that the, the how I would know Game of Thrones is over is when Kit Harington cut his hair. It's like a Samson thing. And it finally happened. He was out and about in a brand new haircut that didn't look anything like Jon Snow. And it was a moment for me. It was just, okay, there he is. Is he, like, on stage? He is. Okay. I, I, I did chose an unflattering picture of him in costume. He kind of looks like a serial killer. And he, he, he does. He has a bit of, um, <laughs> that's like a Gacy-esque mug he's rocking there. <laughs> our, our writer, David, on Wicked was coming at net, said he looks like an angry gym teacher. No, which, he's a math teacher, though. Yes, he does look like a math teacher there. I, now I just see serial killer. He's a Sorry. serial killer who teaches math uh, in the day. That's him on stage in a play called True West, a Sam Shepard play in London. But it's, it's gone, people. The Jon Snow locks are gone, and in their place is a 70s porn stash. <laughs> <laughs> Linda does not like it. Oh, um, Linda, are you saying that, that, that you don't like the Badlands or Kit Harington's new hairstyle? Oh, mustache needs to go. She does not like it. I don't like it either, Linda. It seems like a betrayal. And uh, no, it's not. I mean, it, the show's over. He can do whatever he wants. But His body, his choice. But His body, his choice. Especially his choice. It's just, it is a bit of a moment. I mean, Ooh. for better or worse, hair Ooh. is very closely associated with all these people. Daenerys' iconic silver locks. And yeah, Jon Snow's luxurious Pantene Provine full body and health uh, hairstyle is something that we all have grown to know and appreciate. And it's just gone. No more product needed. Well, I mean, he still has hair, but... Yeah, less product needed. So <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Just get it out there. I don't really have anything to say about it. D yeah. d d do you? I mean, I could start humming taps for you if you really need me to. Oh, that'd be nice. Burr, 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 burr. Ah, one for me and one for the hair. Pouring it out for a true G. Kit Harrington's <laughs> hair. All right. So that's that. That's that. Oh, that and is very everybody that. Everybody out there, just um, a moment of silence. Just a quick moment of silence for the hair. Everybody, no comments. And we're done. Okay. Okay. Moving on, we got to talk a little bit about um, the latest book release from George R. R. Martin that is not The Winds of Winter, <laughs> Fire and Blood. Yes. New book from George R. R. Martin, Song, Voice, and Fire author. 
um, all about the history of the Targaryen dynasty. You haven't read any of it yet, right? No. Okay. I did uh, read a bit. I've read all. I've read a lot of the reviews. Um, you know, it's it's. So the, the discussion here is: Is it worth your time? Everybody watching, or if if, it, if anybody out there has read it, let us know. I like it. I, I I've enjoyed what I've read. It is definitely, as we've been told, it is not a novel. It does not read like a novel. It is just not at all. It reads like what it, it is. It is a fake history book written by a fake historian going over fake history and just kind of recounting the events. So this happened in this year and that happened in the next year. And it, for, like for me, it was a bit jarring at first, but after I got used to it, it was kind of fun. Like it's very fast paced because you don't have to like dwell on what everyone was wearing that day or eating in that particular meal. It just like goes, and this happened and that happened and that happened. And the characters he draws are, are pretty interesting, like these kind of old Targaryen kings and queens. It is very, very different, though. And I mean, I can see how if somebody bought this book thinking they were going to get a, a Song of Ice and Fire-like experience, even if they knew it wasn't Song of Ice and Fire, that they'd be disappointed. But if you go into it thinking, okay, it's a bit of a, an uh, interesting side story, you might enjoy it. Is that something you might be interested in, Cheryl? I, I would definitely be interested in reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy the Targaryens. She says, sitting in front of a Targaryen banner. It's true. Um, And <laughs> Dan just toasted again, for those who listen on our podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I enjoy the idea, and I would like to read it. I just have about a quadrillion other things to read right now. Um, sure. We're actually reading the Book of Swords for my book club next month. Oh, so cool. I'm very excited about that. Cheryl reads so freaking much, people. You can see her desk is just piled high with books. Yeah. Ridiculous. I have a Fortress of Solitude made entirely of books. <laughs> um, so I am intrigued by the idea, and I'm glad to hear that it is at least interesting, if yeah, not it's a fun read. exactly what you may have been expecting. That pours so slowly. It's practically viscous. It's like more of a jello than a beer. A little bit. But hey, I'm into it. But but someone's into it at least. People here bought it. Um Renee bought it. Julie's gonna get around to reading it. Alexander B. Helm, three hundred and eighty pages in, loving it. So yeah, we like it. How long it. is it? Like five hundred? Um like seven hundred. Whoa! Like, like around there, or I think like closer to nine hundred. Let's say eight hundred and put the difference. Lots of pages. A lot of it is stuff that was just all like literally already published in the world of ice and fire. <laughs> like, which is part of the reason why it's weird to people like, he should be working on Winds of Winter. Well, it's like, dude, he wrote, like, not a whole lot of new stuff for this. Get that money, George. Get that money. Get that money. Make, Make it. it. Make, Make it. it. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a second. Because George okay. R. R. Martin is obvious. He's been doing an interview blitz, which is very rare for him. Sure. About uh, Fire and Blood. And it's interesting, the reviews for it. Like, the, the, the way they break down is pretty much... There are, there, there are a bunch of reviews that the whole subtext the entire time is, this isn't the winds of winter, and I'm mad about that. Um, there are reviews that honestly don't like the style, that are like, uh, it's not, I don't know, like who this is for. It's like not a novel. It's just kind of a weird fake history book. And real history is boring enough, like that kind of thing. I, I disagree with that, but I, I see their point. And then there are a few who are mostly like fantasy heads, like, um, the people at Tor gave it a review, who were all about fantasy books, and they were really into it, and, uh, oh, thank you. Let's see. Oh. 
we have a message from uh, Kayla Kinnearum, the former co-host. And I'm going to try to read this. Although it's a little... Oh, Kayla wants to know if Kit Harrington cheated on Rose Leslie. He denied those rumors. Did you hear about this? He denied those rumors, okay, didn't he? really fast, because we have a request from our old co-host, Kayla Kinnearum. We Hi, have Kayla. to answer this. Okay, Kayla, what happened is this. These photos uh, emerged of Kit Harrington in a compromised state. Uh, did you hear about this? I just saw the headlines that he denied the right. rumors. Posted by a Russian woman. Um, <laughs> basically, from what I saw, those photos are from years ago. Like, you can tell if you look at them, and I will confess, after I heard about it, I was like, ugh, I'm kind of curious. And I may have looked them up. Um, they are not current. They are from years back, uh, before he was engaged, before he was married, from what, from what I can tell, and that seems consistent. So, no, Kayla, who, by the way, thanks for watching. Hope you're doing well. How are you? This isn't, we can't really talk here. If you can comment, tell me. Um, <laughs> I hear you're doing well in, in, in L.A. I've heard some stuff. Uh, but no, those are from years ago. So Kate Harrington did not cheat on Rose Leslie. So far as I can tell, not being intimately involved with their marriage. Love is not dead. Hopefully. Love is not dead. Hopefully. Okay. What were we talking about before this happened? Fire and blood, George R. R. Martin interviews. <laughs> okay, great. And how people are mad that it's not the winds of winter. <laughs> and Linda and Julie, loving the Kayla stuff. It, it is good to hear from her. Thanks, Kayla. Like it. All right. Um... Right, okay. Fire and blood. What the hell are we talking about? Um, interviews. George R. R. Martin. Interviews. Thank you. Yes. Okay, yeah. The reviews were kind of divided there. Yeah. Uh, George R. R. Martin's giving a lot of uh, interviews talking about... Um, he's, 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 he, he sounds like he's kind of flagellating himself over his failure to finish the book a bit. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I read that and, and I kind of felt bad for him. And he's now said that he's or it was revealed that he is in a, and I'm quoting here from, I think, the Wall Street Journal article, in a mountain hideaway, uh, writing the book, kind of sequestering himself. I'm of two minds of, on this. Okay, real quick. Uh, okay, as quick as I can. <laughs> so my first mind one is basically, everyone's been kind of a jerk to George R. R. Martin for years. Right about this sure mind two is he knew this was coming and some like he's he's always been kind of a slow writer and he's definitely slowed his pace as he has gotten older and i cannot be mad at him for that but at the same time my dude you knew this was coming (laughs) and so I sympathize with him. Like, I feel bad for him. But at the same time, I'm also just kind of like, but you knew this was coming. He did. You know? But I mean, it, I don't know. I read that stuff, and it feels like it's a situation where you're like a kid, and you do something bad, and then your parents are like, I'm not going to punish you. You've already punished yourself enough. Like, that's kind of what I, what I feel when I read mm, this stuff. Yeah. He, he, he sounds really regretful about it. I mean... This is this isn't like an anime where you can produce like a hundred filler episodes b- before the mangaka comes up with the next chapters of the story. Not that I have intimate experience I with that. I don't think you did. Um, I definitely do. Naruto, Naruto's filler <laughs> okay. is insane. Um, the the point of this, like, this isn't the kind of medium where 
there's always the luxury of time. It is very true. Like you have a deadline, you gotta meet it. Yeah. I mean, part of me just feels like we've talked about this so often. I know. I mean, it's, it, it, it is what it is. It'll be out when it's out. We'll see. And in the meantime, if you're interested, Fire and Blood, I think, is a fun read. I am enjoying it. And uh, if it's something you're interested in, go out. Dan Selke, seal of approval. Yeah, let's drink to that. I'm starting to feel this. This is 11% alcohol by volume. <laughs> and yet he keeps going, folks. Well, it's good. Okay. Live your best life, Dan. All right. <laughs> what, what is left? We All have right. to go Finally, from fire to ice beyond the wall? Let's go beyond the wall for a second. Talk about something unrelated to Game of Thrones. Because, you know, we have interests. Although this one is a still kind of Game of Thrones tangential. Let's do a quick rundown of a big movie going to hit in December starring Game of Thrones alumnus uh, Jason Momoa as a superhero. Aquaman is coming. Uh, Jason Momoa, called Drogo Game of Thrones, starring as Aquaman. Going to hit theater December 21st. Uh, he's going to host SNL. That'll be fun. So they're trying to, you know, you know they're, they're trying to build buzz for it. Is it December 14th or December 21? For, the movie is December 21st. Oh, okay. I, I looked that up. Okay. I wrote it down. I can't remember it now, but I'm, I wrote it down. <laughs> um, there he is. Oh, poor Dan. Looking pretty good. Um, okay, so I guess my question to you is, mm. Aquaman, can the power of Jason Momoa and talking to fish um, make this movie... Something that can buoy DC's flagging fortunes. Is this going to be a Wonder Woman type hit or a Justice League style flop? Well, early reception to the movie is actually quite good for the most part. Okay. Um, a lot of people are calling it wild and fun and kind of goofy. Oh, what good words. And I'm all about that aesthetic because those things very much describe Jason Momoa's public persona. They really do, don't they? They really do. Like, this man once threw axes on Jimmy Kimmel while drinking a Guinness. Like, <laughs> I'll drink to that. He, he has a commitment. He is committed to being completely bonkers pretty much every time he shows up, and I'm very into it. Um, and I like the idea that they're going with Aquaman. I feel like <laughs> just because it's a. I feel like the challenge of it is makes it a better movie. I think one critic posted something along the lines of, "Y'all just better not commit to like Batman and Superman for like five or six years. Just go with the cre- the the completely off the wall heroes." That's a good idea. Point. I like that. It is. Like I'm angle. so tired of Batman. Like, um, like why try to to like do that big event thing when you haven't like built the momentum yet yeah you've, you've got you've got a whole pile of wild go into the pile of wild yeah. just let jason momoa talk to fish okay king talks to fish that's what i'm calling him yeah um and i'll tell you i i actually was like on the fence like i wasn't sure if i was going to see it like sure if i had the time or whatever mm. what tipped me w- w- the reason i want to see it <laughs> now yes, is because i read that there is a giant fish monster in the movie called the Carathan, Carathan, and it is voiced by none other than the great Julie Andrews. Dame Julie Andrews. Dame Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, is now a huge freaking fish monster. I don't know why. And um, I'm like, you know what? Just know it's fun. The movie looks interesting. Aquaman's a trip. And now Julie Andrews is a fish monster? Fine. I will see you, movie. That's you. pretty great. You got me. Also, I love that it's opening opposite Mary Poppins Returns, right? With Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. Uh-huh. So in a weird way, it's kind of like a battle of Mary Poppinses. Yes. <laughs> you reached for that. 
I don't think I did. A little bit, because the fish monster is not very prominent in Julie, the film. Julie Andrews is Mary Poppins. And but she, she is, is she, Mary she does not have a cameo in the Returns movie. No, she does not. And I will be seeing Aquaman over Mary Poppins Returns because I'm an old school Mary Poppins fan. And I only go for the old kind. Some hot Mary Poppins opinions in here today. Exactly. I wasn't expecting this, guys. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Honestly, I'll probably see Aquaman over Mary Poppins Returns, too. Just because... Mary Poppins Returns, like, I I appreciate it. I might see it, too. That's kind of good. I appreciate it, but really what I'm looking for in my December movie going is just Jason Momoa on a large on a large screen swimming around and being Aquaman. And He does have some screen presence, that guy. I mean, he like, does. He, he, he just looks good on camera. I've sat through two seasons of Frontier for Jason oh, Momoa. Oh, God, you did? You poor girl. That's right. Well, good First for you. two seasons. It's like a car wreck. Before you go, yes, can dear. we sip to your suffering? Maybe it'll help me forget. All right, really quick, some comment appraisals. Yes. People are still talking about, thank you, Kayla, for writing in again, because you have mm-hmm. set up some discussions about the, uh, the pictures. And like I said, as my understanding, they are from a while ago. And yeah, folks seem hopeful about Aquaman. Like Steven, hopeful about Aquaman, not going to hold my breath. <laughs> Is that a pun, Steven? Hold my breath, water themed. It, I was, don't know. it was great if it was, and even if it wasn't, it's still <laughs> but great. Very helpful. And now I think we should. Oh, graphics and CGI will be better, but it's not. That's about it, in my opinion. Oh, that's about that's about the Mary Poppins thing. Uh. I, I see. Stephen thinks it won't, it won't hold a candle to the original, and I kind of agree. I'm not sure how it could, but we'll see. I don't know. Anyway, um, yes. anything else you want to say, Cheryl, before we head on out? Nope, other than I hope I can walk to my desk. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 11% by volume, guys. All right, well, thanks for joining us. It's going to be back, guys. We'll be back next week, yes. and Cheryl will be back next week for more of this. And now, let's bring on Joshua Hill for A Song of Dan and Josh. And while he moses on over, uh, if you don't know, we have a, you, you, you can head out, don't worry. Oh, I'm okay. just going to blabber out this. We have a thing called the Wit Club going on uh, over on our Patreon page. We have a commercial that runs here sometime. Right now, we're holding a caption contest at the Wit Club to give away this Iron Throne-themed Christmas ornament right in time for the holidays. If you're interested, head over to the Wit Club. We've got information on uh, winnerscoming.net about it. Um, we got to write a caption to a hilarious still from the television show Game of Thrones. We'll judge it. If we think it's the best one, you win an Iron Throne ornament. Consider it. Could be fun. Could be a good time. All right. And more information on the Wit Club is available at winnerscoming.net. And here I am with Joshua Hill. Or Josh Hill. Your name is Joshua, right? Yes. Like the full name? It is. (laughs) Okay. Some people were laughing when they called you Joshua Hill. Like, that's his name, probably. Okay. uh, Hey, Josh. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I haven't seen you in a while here at I Take the Black Live. It's been a minute. A Song of Ben and Josh, mm-hmm. the show where we, Josh Hill and I, go over yeah. every chapter of George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, chapter by chapter. That's right. Breaking them apart, breaking them down, what makes them work, what makes them not work. Why are they good? Why are they not good? What makes them tick? We are on the second to last chapter of A Game of Thrones, the first book in the saga. Yep. Catelyn 9, right there. Josh, do you want any beer? Um, no, I'm okay right now. I, here's very strong. You it's were, very you were giving strong. it a very good endorsement, though. So You've I feel like people should feel go like out and drunk, get like everybody else does. some King in the North. This is always good. I do like it when they. Do you think that they're going to continue coming out with Game of Thrones beer after the show's over? Um, they should. 
they had like a plan for to make four. Like okay. These are the Royal Reserve Collection. This is the final one. Okay. They had a, they had a Daenerys themed one, a Tyrion themed one, a Cersei themed one, and finally a Jon Snow themed one. And I don't want to get confrontational, but <laughs> I feel Uh-oh. like whenever we drink, I always drink the most, and <laughs> I always leave feeling like I shouldn't have done that. So I wish other people drank more. It's well, it's well afternoon here, though. So it would be different if yeah, we were doing so this at like nine in the morning. Choke some of it. So I should just drink it straight out of the bottle. You should. I encourage that. Let's do it. People say hi, by the way. Julie says hi. Linda says oh, hi. hi, Josh. And this says bye, Cheryl. Oh, and Renee has that ornament. Very nice. Very if nice. anybody else wants it, Wick Club. Caption contest. Have a good time. <laughs> okay. So we are talking about the second, Catelyn. Last, second to last chapter of Game of Thrones. Catelyn yeah. 9. Well, why don't you just uh, go away with it, Josh? What happens in this chapter, basically? Uh, a lot of uh, more politicking, more table setting for a lot of more table setting for yeah. the sequels. Um, we have this big thing about, you know, we get uh, Ramsey Bolton comes into play. We got uh, Renly. We've got Joffrey. There's a whole confrontation here about. Mainly, the thing is, Catelyn is coming to terms with Ned's dead. Mm-hmm. We've got to deal with this now. Because she's all of a sudden, there's a power vacuum in the north. Yes. How is this going to get filled? Who has, who is the rightful heir to the throne? Who's the rightful heir to the, be the king in the north? This is a whole thing. And I didn't dislike the chapter, but it reminded me of a couple of chapters before we were talking about how it kind of felt like the last 15 minutes of the second movie in a trilogy where you're like, okay, <laughs> this isn't final. We're clearly setting, we're window yeah, dressing totally for what's going to come next. I, didn't dislike it, but I couldn't disassociate that from it. I was like, okay, let's. I didn't rush myself through it. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's just kind of. I, I completely hear get you. to it. This, this chapter is it's just Catelyn and Rob at Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Just the heart of the chapter is this discussion in the hall, right? Of what do we do now? Yep. And it, it, you're right. It does feel very interstitial. Mm-hmm. But there is stuff to dig into. Yeah. Like I said, like the, so the, the 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 heart of the chapter is this discussion in the Great Hall about okay. We've won some battles. We're fighting the Lannisters. Rob is kind of leading this ragtag army of northerners and people from the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? And there are a bunch of arguments put forth. Yeah. Like, there are, like people suggest different things. Like, one dude, Mark Piper. I don't know who he is. Um, Could you more, imagine being in Game of Thrones and you're like, oh, I'm going to get this really badass, awesome name, and you're Mike Piper? Mark Piper? <laughs> it's like, well, it's spelled with a Q. M-A-R-Q. Does that I mean, help? that's like, dub. that's... <laughs> Insult to injury. Yeah, that's that's no drink. There you go, Mark Piper. Okay, so he suggests joining Renly. Yeah, he wants. Okay, we're fighting the Lannisters. This Renly guy has declared himself king. Let's join with him. We can join forces. We can beat the Lannisters if we combine forces. Mm-hmm. Rob rejects this argument. Yeah. Why does he reject it? You recall? He thinks it's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but why? You tell me, Dan. Okay, I will. <laughs> okay, so Rob basically says. I mean, so the, the, the suggestion is bend the knee to Renly. Renly's declared himself king. Mm-hmm. Bend the knee to him, join him, and we'll, we'll clean house. And Rob is like, Renly's not the rightful king. Stannis is the rightful king. Which is, by the way, exactly the reason Ned would not help Renly. When he asked Ned, he was like, you're mm-hmm. not the king, dude. You have an older brother. He's the king. And what's interesting about that is that we have the exact same conflict that Ned went through, which is this mm-hmm. means versus end thing. Yeah. Like, we all agree that we want to get rid of the Lannisters. We want, that we want Joffrey off the throne, that we want to 
you know, get rid of this terrible ruler who executed Rob's dad and was just an all-around jackass. Mm -hmm. But there's people like Mark Piper who are saying, okay, so we want that. Let's bend the knee to this dude and do it. But Rob, exactly like his father, is very concerned with doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, yeah, that would help, but it's, it's not done according to the rules. Renly's not the king, so we cannot bend the knee to a guy who isn't the king. Which is interesting, because as we know, Rob will meet this, kind of the same fate as his father. He'll end up dead at mm -hmm. the Red Wedding. And we see him kind of making Ned's mistakes here, or at least invoking their spirit. Yeah. He is, he does not want to do something that's outside the bounds of what is done. Like, you know, I could bend the knee to this guy who says he's the king, but the rules don't say he's the king, and I play by the rules. And so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And this, it's, it is a little ironic that that's the route that Ned went. It's almost fitting in a way. It's exactly. I mean, again, like Renly approached him and was like, help me. And he's like, no, you're not the king. I yeah. It's, 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 you're, you're not playing according to the rules. No, and it's kind of nice that the, the book bookends on the idea that the Starks are so loyal to following the rules, that they are Love so rules, by man. the book. Love it. That it's not just the undoing of one of them. It's the undoing of, I mean, unbeknownst to us at the time, but like, as we know, like you said, the Red Wedding, it's the undoing of like the entire family. <laughs> like, mm. they're trying to play by the rules. Completely. Everybody goes down because they're trying to play by the rules, with the exception of John, who is not a Stark. So, <laughs> yeah. that's how that works out. So, and then Arya. I mean, and, and then Arya. And he does is, go down, John, eventually, because he plays by the rules. He does. He just gets lucky and has like a necromancer near him to and the one and, and, and the two children who don't play by the rules well Arya doesn't play by the rules to begin with Sansa she, gets there Sansa gets there just in time and I think with her it's an example of we've seen it's the rule of thirds type of thing where you <laughs> with her you're like oh god this is going to happen again I can't believe this and mm -hmm. then she snaps out of it right away whereas Arya straight from the jump isn't going to play by the rules and it's no <laughs> surprise that she's one of the most interesting characters and she's a badass so and then you have John, who's not a Stark and Still, because I mean, of the tutelage, goes down the same path. He, yeah, he, totally he eventually does. follows the rules. So it's almost like this rule following is a disease, and I have to wonder what George R. R. Martin thinks about authority That's and following the point. rules yeah. if all of the characters that play it by the book end up getting killed in very violent ways. Like, it is, it is not subtle to get your head chopped off. It is not subtle the way the Red Wedding happens. But these are the people that play the rules, and this is the price they pay. No, I think it's totally so, right. I think, yeah, th there could be a great PhD thesis <laughs> on what they say about authority. George Martin definitely seems like, like he, he is not committed to the, the means are all that matter. No. He definitely, if, if we're to read A Song of Ice and Fire, George Martin's statement on political philosophy, he is okay with being extra rule guy That's a doozy. Yeah. Like, you should not follow the rules all the time, because if you do, <laughs> look what happens. Okay, you literally but, get your head cut off. So, so Mark Piper's suggestion isn't the only suggestion that comes up. Mm -mm. Catelyn, who, by the way, Julie says that Catelyn wants to be king in the north. I disagree, Julie. Interesting. Because Catelyn makes the suggestion in this chapter. Yeah. Her idea is, let's have peace. She makes a case. She's like, I wrote something down. Wow. Okay, she's like, uh, I will mourn for Ned until the end of my days, but I must think of the living. If I must trade our four Lannisters for Arya and Sansa, I will call that a bargain and thank the gods. Basically, she's like, we've lost, they've lost, let's get Arya and Sansa back, trade the Lannister prisoners we've taken in these 
last few battles and just go back to the north and just try to live our freaking lives. Mm -hmm. That's her pitch. Is that wisdom? Should Robert listen to that? Uh, it's not a bad idea, but my question to you is, do you think it would have worked? And I don't think it would have because you can't trust people in, in Westeros no. to do the right thing. And that's almost a playing it by the book type of thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a lazy, it's a lazy out where this is a hard decision that needs to be made. And she's like, well, let's just choose peace. Let's take another easy way out, which opens them up to getting walked over. Because okay, you, you give the Lannister prisoners back. You think the well, Lannisters I mean, are going to say thank they you, want the, they, it's they, peace. They want to make an exchange. She wants to give Lannister prisoners back in exchange for the Stark prisoners. For they Arnie do, but it's a mistake trusting that the, that that would lead to some sort of peace. That that would lead to, that that wouldn't lead to somebody saying, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this. Which is ultimately what would happen. Gotcha. Because we've seen examples of that through the entire book of one thing being proposed. And it seems like the right thing. Even when it's not a buy the book thing like Ned does. And we have a complete backlash. It completely backfires because somebody else is like, there's a loophole in this. I'm going to take advantage for myself. It's the little finger thing. Like sure. little, there's always a little finger in a situation. So you do this. There's literally a little finger in this situation who can screw this all up. So I don't, right. while the idea of peace is nice, I don't think it's plausible. I, Fair so, enough. Something no, that, that, that's perfectly fine. So, okay. So you're, you, like the rest of that room, is not really on board Catelyn's peace train. No, because in theory, she, but not in execution. Sure, because she suggests it, and everyone is like, no! <laughs> They're all like, we gotta get revenge, let's do it, do it, do it. Like, no one is into that. Mm -hmm. And she has this moment where she's like, like she's thinking like, well, I tried. <laughs> and she just like sits down. Like, they're not gonna listen now. Oh, we're all so screwed. <laughs> Which, I mean, again, they are, eventually, we know they are screwed. Yes. So, what solution do they come up with? They don't take either of those options. They don't do peace, and they don't bend the knee to Redley. No. Instead, should I just say this, or can you tell me Spoil what, what is happening? Spoil it for everybody. Go yes. for it. Okay. Um, the solution they come up with, I believe, suggested... I've got to suggest it. Um, declare Rob the king in the north. <gasps> you know, they're not going to bend the knee to Renly. We don't like that king. They're not going to have peace. There's been too much bad blood. Mm-hmm. So the one dude, I forget who it is, is it Karstark? Stands up and just says, you know what? I'm not going to bend my knee to this guy or that guy. I'll bend my knee to Rob. Mm -hmm. He's been a good leader. King of the North, King of the North. King of the, they have this whole, it's actually very much like the King of the North scene from the show with Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is interesting because in the, in the books, Rob's King of the North scene happens in like a forest mm -hmm. where they're like at a camp and they all just kind of rally and raise their fists and whatnot. And here it happens in River Run, in a yep, great hall, which is kind of like how it happens in uh, Game of Thrones, the show. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of that move? It was very rousingly written. It was, and it goes back to the whole window dressing thing. Where, I mean, it's not a bad suggestion, as we've come to find out. I forgot this at the time when I was reading it, but and you routinely remind me of this when we're talking about it afterwards, <laughs> but Rob's... A teenager he's like 15 he or something is. Rob like is that. young. so the idea that the best plan you can come up with is let's make the teenager king in the north whether or not he's the rightful heir or not is mm -hmm. an interesting choice to me well i mean i i uh, about the teenager stuff i mean he is 15 in medieval in fake medieval times yeah. so it's like you know 15 back then is more like 25 now or whatever <laughs> and they had different different times different times but i mean it is also a compromise between the two suggestions. Like, they don't want peace because mm -hmm. they're all too angry. And they don't want to bend the knee to Renly because apparently that's against the rules. 
So fine, we're kings now. Basically, yeah. they're seceding from the union, is what this is. Mm -hmm. They're saying the North is independent, the North shall rise again, and uh, that's what we're going to do. And I mean, as written, I, I think it's pretty inspiring. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be like a Shakespeare, Braveheart type, rah, rah, all right moment. In hindsight, we know it all ends spectacularly badly. Very badly, yes. But uh, in the moment, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, any other thoughts on that? No, I mean, it, I did get the Braveheart-esque type of rah-rahness <laughs> from it. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard not to read it and know what's happening yeah, afterwards. Like, perhaps if you were coming in fresh, I'd have a different perspective of it. Knowing that it all ends literally in the worst possible way, is, it kind of puts a little damper on the I mean, moment. But, but because isn't it like in, in stories, like you're trained to like this guy, to yeah. like the guy who's going to be the leader of the people. Yeah. Is it gonna He's rising take up. It? Yeah. He's rising up. He's not gonna take the, gonna the stick big it to the man smacking you down. He's gonna yeah. topple the evil tyrant. Yeah. He's gonna win. Like we're supposed to like we're supposed to be behind that person. And we are. Mm -hmm. Just the twist is when <laughs> that person doesn't do anything he intends to do and dies. But that's in a couple of books. Violent, now. violent death. <laughs> right. Uh, the other bits of this chapter are like that's that that's like I, I think the, the the reason this chapter exists is yeah. to give us that King of the North scene mm -hmm. for Rob because that's huge in the next couple of books. Mm -hmm. um, the ancillary stuff is fun though too. This is Catelyn returning to her childhood home of River Run. Okay, my first question for you is: um, Are you interested? And in, as Julie says, they love a good chant, which is very true. Yeah, that's true. The Northerners can't get enough chanting. <laughs> Um, are you into all the architectural dorkiness that George R. R. Martin throws around? So River Run, he goes into some detail about yeah. how it's built. It's a triangle castle. It's it's surrounded by rivers on all yeah. sides. It has this ability to kind of, uh, through a system of dams, flood all the area around it. So it's basically in a lake. Mm -hmm. um, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of like... Um, like movies that go into gun porn a bit or that like love talking about yeah. the intricacies of gunplay yeah or the like fast and the furious movies where they're talking about like how many horsepowers the thing gets mm -hmm. yeah like all the carburetors george R. martin loves this kind of military the the machinery of the military mm -hmm. detail kind of stuff yeah are you interested in this i wasn't interested in it but it didn't put me off because at this sure. point he's well established that he's if there's an opportunity to go over the top and explaining something very <laughs> minute it's he's gonna just pounce on that yeah. opportunity whether it was in the opening chapter where we're talking about the billowing capes and the types of leather and cloth that, and all of this times. stuff and you know and sometimes it works too like when he's describing Tyrion and the big helmet in the big battle like it works at certain times you just kind of <laughs> you kind of come to assume that he's going to do it and it's part of the it's part of the magic at this point like you're like okay we're gonna go you. we're gonna go in depth on this He's 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 earned the trust that it's going somewhere. Sure. He's explaining this for a reason. Like whether it's no, he's explaining the mythology of the world, the fantastical nature of the world, kind of in an assumed way. We like that. So I'm, I, I I take it in that vein where he's like, okay, this is going somewhere. There's a reason he's doing this. He's not just you know, it's not architecture right. porn for him. It's <laughs> there's something here. That's true. I hear you. And and I mean, the, there is a reason because this is a strategic castle that will be important in various points. Um, King of the North uh, Ale, right? Stout, <laughs> It's a rousing review. 
Okay, um, really quick. So just th this chapter, in addition to being like this uh, choosing spectacle, yeah. is Catelyn's homecoming. Mm -hmm. She's coming home, and there are some, I thought, some nice little understated affecting passages about, like, she, she, she hasn't been here since she was a little girl, yeah. like, since she was shipped off to the north to marry this weird Ned Stark guy. Mm -hmm. And she says things like, uh, the splash and rumble of the great water wheel was a sound from her girlhood that made a sad, that brought a sad smile to Catelyn's face. <laughs> I... I'll admit I'm a little... It's harder to read now that I've had a bit of this uh, delicious stout. <laughs> the delicious stout. And talking about um, laying in things that are important, she is remembering her girlhood, and, she's, and she says, like, some, you know, ancillary stuff. She also talks about how she and her sister Lysa, mm -hmm. like, basically lost their kissing virginity playing doctor with Littlefinger when he was fostered here. Of course it's Littlefinger. Well, yeah, naturally. I mean, that's where he developed his lifelong crush on yep. Catelyn. But it's also very important because we know that Littlefinger and Lysa, that Lysa gets all obsessed with him, and mm -hmm. that's the reason he kind of has her in her, his pocket. Yeah. And then he goes up to that scene where he pushes her to the moon door, and it'll be fun. It's a good time. It's classic. It is classic. So, and that's set up here. Like, but she, that's, he, he's planting the seed of, oh, Lysa yep. and Littlefinger had a thing going back yeah. in the day. And now we'll, we'll see later how that developed in off screen for years, mm -hmm. and it ends up being a plot point. Yeah. And that's why, like, these chapters, they're, I mean, when he goes into detail like this and he explains things in an assumed way or it's, like, offhand, mm -hmm. it works. Because it's like, oh, I should know this. <laughs> the, the way that you're describing this to me, this is a nugget of information that right. I feel like I should already know. It's out there. It's not like it's, it's out a, there. Yeah. It's not a big revelation where it's like, and then Littlefinger stole their kissing virginity or whatever. And it's, <laughs> it's like. It's not phrased like that. It's I know, just but it's put it. funny phrasing. But. It's not this big reveal, whereas that's the main part of the chapter. It's a little, just a little nugget tucked away in this exactly. chapter. Yeah, of other little nuggets just tucked away. So that's why the window dressing didn't necessarily put me off. I recognized it, but it, it's a hard thing to, to... That's why, like, the first Justice League movie, or Batman versus Superman, was garbage. Because mm -hmm. it was window dressing for the first Justice League movie. But they're like, no, 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 you're seeing a Batman movie, and it's got <laughs> Superman in it. It's like, no... I'm actually seeing a commercial, a two-hour commercial I paid twelve fifty for <laughs> for the movie that's coming out in two years. This is an opportunity for him to set up more books, and he's not really using it in that same way where he's actually... You're getting valuable information out of this. You are getting things that move the story forward. You're not getting these little teases where you're like, what the hell? And then it just goes away. Or you're like, oh, that's a forced cameo. Like the end of the new uh, Harry Potter movie. I'm not going to spoil it if nobody's seen it, see but it, like... Yeah. Everybody's Shut talking up. about these spoilers that are tucked in at the end, and it feels like fan service. There's no fan service at this point, so obviously you can't do that. And I like it when you can approach a chapter where you need to set things up, mm -hmm. and it's a very apparent that you're setting things up for the next, like, we're not going to get resolved or resolution for, like, for two this. books. Yeah. yeah, we're not getting resolution in the next 25 pages from this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be books from now. And to be able to do that and keep you intrigued and not feel like it's a sellout chapter, I, I think that that's impressive. No, I do too. I completely agree with you. I think it's great because, I mean, like, it's a chapter about her remembering what to do as a young person. Yeah. So it totally works, just like she's remembering her stuff. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the trick of it is, with George R. R. Martin, you never know like what is incidental detail and what's important setup. Because mm -mm. he just kind of slips everything right in there. And it all just kind of flows pretty naturally. And he just slips a really important detail in there, but you would never know. Because right? it's just part of the flow. Yeah. Which is great, because it, it, it feels more true to life, which I like. Yeah. Okay, beyond that, um, we get some Catelyn, uh, you know, character stuff. I liked her description of her ailing father. Yep. I'm going to read it really fast before we go because I thought it was affecting. 
uh, her father is just, you know, toward the end, he's getting senile. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hoster Tully had always been a big man, tall and broad in his youth, portly as he grew older. Now he seems shrunken, the muscle and meat melted off his bones. Even his face sagged. The last time Catelyn had seen him, his hair and beard had been brown, well streaked with gray. Now they had gone white as snow. And just, you know, a nice little carefully observed uh, detail that I think can apply to anybody who's watched a grandparent or a parent or an aunt or an uncle. Kind of, you know, go. It happens. Mm-hmm. And just uh, lets you know that even if they live in fake medieval times, they can still <laughs> be relatable to people now. Yeah. It's timeless. Anything else you want to mention about this chapter, Josh? No, but we got one more left. So. We only have one more left in the Game of Thrones. The final Daenerys chapter is the been a long last journey. chapter. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had a good time. It is. I'm ready for the you. next books. Yeah, it's nice that we don't there. have to actually wait for him to write it because, A, it seems like <laughs> sure. that's, a, that's a hell of a thing to wait for Yeah, based on everybody's current wait for the next book. But... Hopefully by the time we get through our series, it'll be out. Yes. Yeah. To that. Really, really fast. Vocabulary. Really, really quick. Do you know what a thwart means? No. A cross. Oh. All right. There you you go. got it. That's it. Your new vocabulary word for the day is a thwart. A thwart. It means a cross. Use that one in conversation. It's a stupid way to say a cross if you want to say it in a dumb way no one will understand. All right. Next week, we go over the final chapter Oof. in A Game of Thrones, the final Daenerys chapter. It's a good chapter. She gets her freaking dragons. Yeah. That'll be a good time. Um, thank you to HBO for giving me King in the North Stout. I've enjoyed that quite a bit. <laughs> thank you for Cheryl Wassenaar for lending her uh, expertise. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all of you who watched, of course. It's going to be back. I, I've missed you guys for a while. Thanks to Josh Hill for more Song of Dan and Josh. Right. Cheers, Josh. Cheers. So. <laughs> there it is. See you guys next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central on the Winter's Green Facebook page. Adios. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.